Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Hallelujah. Let's give our worship team another hand. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. First of all, I just want to thank our pastor for entrusting me and having confidence in them being on vacation and asking me to come and speak today. So welcome, you guys. Uh, see some friends that I know. It's good to see you. I uh, have my neighbors here. I'm not going to call them out, but they're here. I'm glad to have our neighbors here today. Um, it's always good. We have a good pastor. Pastor Brian and Sister uh, Crystal are on vacation. So let's just say a prayer for them while they're out. Pray for them and their family. Father, we come to you. We thank you, Father, for uh, our pastors who right now are just uh, taking a time of rest. Lord God, I just pray your your uh, grace be on them, Father, your protection, Father, your blessing continue to be on them and their children, Father. I pray that as they start to return back this coming week that they will, uh, your hand will be on them, keep them safe as they get back home. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, just turn around, shake somebody's hand, tell them glad you're, you're glad they're here today. They can join you. All right. All right, y'all can settle down now. It's all good. Everybody thought it was over, but it was like getting ready to go. All right. So this morning, I want to talk to you about a building a place of relationship with God, a place of worship. I know throughout life, a lot of us are given a lot of challenges. A lot of things are handed to us whether we ask for it or not. Would that be right? Sometimes we're given a a great opportunity. Other times opportunities are taken from us. And so we all come to the place of challenge in our lives. Regardless, if you're living, if you're breathing, life in itself will bring challenges to you. One of the things that can help you to succeed and be able to get above in times like this is when you are facing a situation that you don't know what to do, but you know that you can go to God with it. How many, have, how many of you have ever been there? You've had to go to God with certain things. One of the things that I have found out that from the very beginning of time, as I read the Bible, I find out that uh, God has purpose in his heart to express his faithfulness to us, to mankind. We look at the very beginning of time when God created man. Uh, one of the things that the Bible talks about in the book of Genesis is that he would visit Adam in the cool of the day. He would come and have time to commune with him. And spend time with him. There came a time, though, that when uh, Eve and Adam were challenged by by the serpent itself and came and enticed Eve. Y'all know the story. She ate of the fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat. And it was during that time, the Bible says, that Adam and Eve heard God coming through the garden. They could hear him coming, and they hid because they had realized the condition they were in. And their eyes had been opened. And... um, But the interesting thing was that God knew nothing takes God by surprise. Believe me, nothing in your life that comes in has already caught God off guard. God is already aware of everything even before it shows up in our days. Before we were born, the Bible says that he knew us. So he already knows the end from the beginning. He already knows what we're going to face. The difference is, can we understand and get to the place that we know 
that because he knows that we can confide in him and trust in him and depend on him to help us get to where we need to go. So one of the things I find out in the book of Genesis, uh, we look at this, and from that time that this uh, happened and Eve ate of this fruit and Adam ate of this fruit, they went from a state of perfection and now sin entered into the world. And we see, through, as we read the first few chapters of Genesis, we see how man in himself started to degrade. A degradation took place. It finally gets to the place where God just finally just has enough with what is going on. And he decides, you know, I'm going to destroy this earth. Because man has become so corrupt. Man has become so, so sinful. And so in, in the uh, Genesis chapter 8, we see that uh, God speaks to Noah to build his ark. Uh, I, I was talking to a guy one time, and I said, how many of animals of each did Moses put in the ark? And he said, two. I said, what Moses? It was Noah. <laughs> so I was going to ask you that at first, but I decided I better not ask that because somebody will probably blurt it out, and I'll embarrass him, and that won't be good. So, <laughs> But it was Noah. So God, had, God found favor. The Bible says that God found favor in Noah, that Noah was a just man. He found him to be just. And so he would visit with Noah. And because of this, in, in doing this time where God decided, I'm going to destroy uh, the world and man in it, because Noah was just, God saved the rest of his people. I just want you to know that you might be that person in your family, that you're the only one that might find favor with God in your family, and you are the catalyst for your family to come into a relationship with God. How many of you have loved ones, uh, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, daughters, sons, that they need to come to a relationship with God. And we're trusting God for that. You're the one that's going to make a difference. Just like Noah, when he came to this place, God came to them. And he uh, instructed them what he needed to do and how he needed to do it. And Noah did what is expected. He obeyed. And he followed through. And the Bible says that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Most of us think of this and they think, okay, 40 days, 40 nights, it's over. In reality, by the time the waters receded and he was able to get out of the ark, it had been well over a year. Some people, some theologians say that it had been 364 days. Others say that it was 373 days. All in all, it could have been every bit of a year over or more that Noah had lived in this ark. Now think about this. You're in this small boat. When you have all those animals there, the boat gets very small real quick. How many of you have ever been in a tight space? And it gets, it, after a while, it starts getting on your nerves, right? It, it, little things start to happen. He's in this boat. They've got all these animals. He's got his family members. And the water started to recede. And it's been well over a year. Well, w- finally, when he realizes, okay, this is, the water's receded. We can get out of the ark. One of the first things that the Bible says that Noah does in uh, Genesis chapter 8, if you'll turn with me, verse 20, he says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took a very clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings into the, on that altar. So one of the things that we see was even though Noah had immediate needs, you have to understand this, they've been living in this boat. Noah did not have a house. He didn't have anything to turn to. Everything that had been in existence was completely destroyed. And yet, before he even went out to meet the needs that he had for his family, He built an altar before the Lord. He was thankful for God. He was thankful to God for what God had done. 
And I think it's very important for us to understand that regardless of what situation we find ourselves in, whatever tight spot we find ourselves in, maybe we've just come out of a situation that was pretty hard, what is going to make us or break us is what do we do after the fact, after we have faced that one situation that could have destroyed us and we're standing still. We're still standing right here. After everything is said and done and the dust has settled, we are still breathing, we're still living, we're still around. So we take on that thing and do as as Noah did. The Bible says that he built an altar before the Lord. And not only did he build an altar, he wanted to show his appreciation to God for all that God has done in his life and for sparing him and his family. The next verse says, And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground of man for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. You know, if we look at our own society today, we live in a society where things that are good are called bad and bad things are applauded. It is so backwards today. You know, we see all these things. It seems like everything is disintegrating. The government, I mean, even... even uh, Anything that has something to stand for seems to be falling in these days. The only thing we have right now is our faith and our confidence in God. In your own home, whatever you put in there is what's going to happen in your home. If we put more of God in, then we're going to find more stability in our place. So it's very important for us to understand that even in this situation, when Noah built an altar, the response was, because his dedication was to God, God, his response was, he, 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 he smelled this this, this uh, sacrifice that was being made. And the Bible said it was a soothing aroma to the Lord. When you go before God with your presence, when you go before the Lord, you start to worship and praise him. When you, when you take that time to build a relationship with God, God then accepts that worship. He accepts that praise. He starts to receive that, at, that unto itself. But the biggest thing here is that we must get to the place of building a place where we can come to the Lord. As we build this place, maybe some of us maybe had a place where we used to come to the Lord. We used to worship him. Maybe you've slacked off and you're not doing this anymore. And you want to rebuild that altar again. You want to rebuild that place of worship, that place of relationship. It's so important for us to to focus on the fact, (coughs) excuse me, that we need to also come to that place to purposely designate a place every single day of our lives to worship the Lord. You know, some of you guys... Your downtime might be between your job by the time you go from home to, to work, and that's the only quiet time you have. I know if you have a house full of kids, there's very few times where you have any quiet, right? So I was talking to Matt, and he says he likes, at the end of the day, he likes to sit on his chair when it's all real quiet. That's his downtime because he's got children. How many kids would have kids understand what I'm talking about? Irma and I are past that. We, our kids are grown, so it's just we just have a dog, and the dog doesn't even bark, so we're good. But even like that, even in our own times, we find our own places where we find to spend our time with God. The one thing that will happen is as you start to focus on, on your relationship with God, God will delight in your worship. You will see a response back from God. He, was, he will receive your time of worship, the Bible says, as a soothing aroma before him. So it's very important for us to understand that how you go before him uh, is not important, but that you go before him is important. That you make that time for the Lord. When we start to do this, 
And we start to make time and, and we start finding a place to worship him, to commune with God, we, we commune with God, we will begin to hear his voice. We will begin to listen. The interesting thing, my Bible, as I was looking at my Bible, I noticed uh, I had some notes on here. And uh, it talked about several things that would happen. In the scripture, it says that, that as he came before the Lord, God made that commitment that he will never again would curse the ground for man's sake. Although their imagination of man's heart was evil. And we know that is the case today. But yet, if you will seek a place with God, that will have no place in your life. That will have no place in your heart. The very next verse, he says, while the earth remains. And God made this commitment. After, at, after uh, Noah had presented this altar sacrifice, God came. He says, as long as the earth remains, while the earth remains, he said, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Now, we can take that scripture by itself, and we can go into a long theological discourse as to what all this means. But I will say this to you today. Day and night, there's nothing you can do about day and night. During the day, you can do whatever you can while it is day. But when the night comes, you have to stop because at that point, you can no longer see. There might be a day season and there's a night season. How many understand night seasons? It can be in the middle of the day, and you can still be having a night season. You know, I know people, and I know uh, people that have gone through times of depression, things like this, and, 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 and they can't, they don't like the night because the night is when they get the most depressed. And there are things that can happen like this. There are situations that we cannot control day or night. The Bible also said that there's winter and summer. We can't control winter or summer. We're right in the middle of it right now. I'm, I'm going to speak where we're at right now with, without going to a long discourse about what all that means in the Bible. But just applying it for where we are right now. In Texas, in summer, it's hot. It's very hot. We went from a very nice, pleasant spring, and when it was summer, it turned summer from one day to the next. And it's been summer ever since. We've had a, a reprieve here lately for the last two weeks. We've had 70-degree weather in the morning. How about that? That's awesome. It's been so good, I've ridden my motorcycle. And then at the end of the day, I realized I shouldn't have ridden my motorcycle. Because by the time I'm coming home, it's 103 and 104. <laughs> so I was coming home two weeks ago, uh, two Mondays ago, and I left the office around 3.30. And uh, by the time I made it, to the, made it home, I was supposed to run an errand, and I texted uh, Irma and I says, uh, babe, I'm sorry I didn't make it. It was just blistering hot. It was so hot I couldn't stand it out there. And I had a short sleeve shirt, and I, it was uh, when I got home. And I was watching the news around 5, 5.30, and the weatherman said, um, he said, at a, between 3 and 3.30, the temperature officially met. Uh, we didn't break a record, but we matched a record from 1,800 and something. It was 106. And I'm going to tell you, I felt every bit of it. It felt like a, someone had a heat lamp on my arms. The wind was hot. The road was hot. The sun was hot. I couldn't hardly breathe because the wind was so hot. The pipes on the bikes were hot. Man, I, t- I told my dad, I said, Dad, it, 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 it feels like it, it, it was so hot out there. He said, Son, you better be living right because hell's hotter. <laughs> That's the sympathy I got, so that was great. So I, I decided I better live right. So um, we look at that summer and heat. We can't do anything about summer and winter. Just like we have summer right now, the seasons are going to change. I watched the weatherman again. He was saying, well, we've got the month of August coming. 
Traditionally, it's real hot again in August, but come September, we start seeing that the weather start to change. It starts now, we start to get more precipitation, the weather starts to change, and before you know, we're in December, in the middle of December and January, people are saying, oh, I wish it was summer. Are we ever going to be happy with the seasons? No. no. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, there's a season in your life. We have to come to the place that we're content where we are and trust God that what things need to happen in the season that we're at, that God's going to do those things. Amen? That God's going to be in control of whatever we're facing in our life, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's, it's joyful or not joyful. You know, the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. Help me out. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's a choice. We can choose what's going to happen. That's up to us. You know, I've always said this statement, and I thought I was the one that invented it. Come to find out this week, I found out I didn't. I've always, I've always said, and Irma's here to tell you, we've been married 40 years. Praise God. Someone called her a saint when they found out. I was, they said, she's a saint. <laughs> and I say, yeah, 40 years, she's a saint. Boy, put up with me. But I found out, you know, that, that I always used to say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Well, I found out, I've been reading this book that... Uh, uh, Dr. Dave Martin, who was just here, one of the books is 12, 12 Traits of the Greats. I've been reading that book. And he talked about a preacher named uh, Robert Schuler who had a church in Van Nuys, California, I think it is, the Crystal Cathedral. And he wrote a book called, that was entitled, If It's Going to Be, It's Up to Me. And I thought, whoa, I've been saying this my whole life and didn't even know that guy had written a book about it. Maybe I should have wrote a book. But the whole point is, we choose as to how we're going to approach life. We choose whether we're going to walk blessed or we're going to walk cursed. We choose whether if a person is having, uh, is, chooses to attack you verbally or, or come against you or a situation comes against you, what we choose is going to determine the outcome. We can either react to it or we can be proactive about it and let God fight our battles for us. We look at Jeremiah. When he, when he was talking about the seasons, uh, one of the things he talked about was Cold and heat. There again, we cannot control the cold and the heat. Maybe inside our houses, but in itself, the cold and the heat, we cannot control as a season. We're talking about seasons right now. And then he talks about seed time and harvest. Out of all these things that we've spoken about, seed time and harvest is something you and I can't control. We can, what we sow, we will reap. Is that correct? So it's very important. If we sow into people's lives, we're going to get back. If we hear God uh, asking us or speaking to us to sow into someone's life, we do that, then the outcome is that God's going to meet your need. The Bible says he will bless it exceeding abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. And so we know that as we're obedient to God, seed time and harvest will have an effect on our lives. I'll read you a note that I saw in my Bible that was very interesting, and I want to share it with you. It's, it's, it's in my Bible. The writer of this Bible put this in, but I thought it was so interesting. It says, through the seed, your life began by the seed principle. It's through the seed. They're speaking about seed time and harvest. Every act of your life since your birth has operated by the seed principle. Springing forth good seed or bad seeds you have sown. So really, it comes down to choices, does it not? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice, and I'll be glad in it. So then I choose today for it to be a good day. It doesn't matter if people come up. We all have those people that if they walk up, and you say, how's your day going? What do they tell you? Well, let me just tell you. Or they say, I'm having a Monday. 
Well, all days are good, in my opinion. Some are just better than others. But the point is, we choose that. It says the principle continues today. To, to overcome life's problems, teach your spiritual life um, to become fruitful, multiplied, and replenished. And how, we do, how do we do that? With what we sow. If we choose a time, if we purposely find a place to go before the Lord every single day, and we designate that as part of what we do, then God is going to start, there's going to be a response from God because we're continually going to him. Jeremiah 1. In Jeremiah, God speaks to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's young at the time. And uh, he tells him what he's going to do with him. And Jeremiah, instead of, instead of uh, accepting what God is saying, he starts to make excuses. Jeremiah chapter 1. They're talking about building a place of worship, building that altar. God speaks to him, and it says that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he said, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I want you to know that God has said the same thing over your life. God has a purpose for you. He has a calling for you. He's got gifts, talents, callings, abilities he's placed in your life. And God has set them from the very beginning of time. He set those things in you to be a successful person. Regardless of what it is, God has already placed in you the things that it takes for you to be a success. See, what happens is when you build an altar before God and you start to take that time every single day to start building that relationship, continue that relationship growing, then what happens, God starts to awaken the purpose that he has for you that's been in you this whole time. Just like a seed. You put a seed in the ground. It doesn't come right up. That seed has to germinate. That seed sits in the ground for a while. And before you know it, it sprouts. And you see that little plant, it starts growing. But once it grows and it reaches full maturity, then it gives forth its harvest. It's going to give its fruit and it brings forth the harvest. Right now is the time of harvest. If you go out to the brass's bottom right now, they're harvesting corn. Next thing you know, they're going to harvest soybean. They're going to harvest uh, cotton. So there's maize. There's all kinds of things happening around us. We live in town. Sometimes we don't realize all this is happening, but it's happening around us. That's because someone took the time to sow a seed. And there's not a farmer that ever sits there and says, I'm going to sow all these seeds in the ground, and I guess I'll see what happens. Right? They, serve, they sow with purpose. They intentionally put in the ground what they want to receive. Now, that one seed will produce an abundance more than of itself. And that is the same with us. God will awaken us if we start to invest time with God and we build that place of, uh, that place of worship before him, that altar before God, and we, go, we become uh, habitual in our, in our seeking God every single day, then God starts to grow all these things and these things start to come out. And God starts to produce this, this, this harvest because we have sown. And he goes on and says... Then I said, this is Jeremiah speaking. He said, then I said, oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. Immediately when God spoke to him, Jeremiah started to make excuses. How many times do we find ourselves where we start putting but in it? But this or but that. Listen, guys, God will bless you if you just move your butt out of the way. <laughs> the word but, okay? Don't take it out of there. <laughs> so, you, so we remove that. Then the Lord said to me, do not say, I am 
a youth. For you shall go to all whom I send you, and wherever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am the Lord. I am with you, and to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand on my, on my, on my mouth and touched me. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms. When he talks about nations, it's talking about people. He says, I've set people under, under you. I've set nations. Nations represents governments under you. Some of you are at work and you don't realize God's about to give you a promotion. That's putting you over people, over nations. Right? He might put you over an organization that can be considered a government itself. God's in the place of promoting you. He will promote you, but there has to be certain things that are set in place, and one of them is your devotion to him. You, place, you put your place, and you seek that place of, of, of worship with him, that altar before him. Make that a continual thing every single day, and then God starts to do his part. You do your part. God will handle the rest of it. God will start to, to magnify you. He'll start to elevate you. So when we look at this, and he says in here... <clears throat> Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over nations and over kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. When I looked at this, I started saying, but what does all this mean? What does it mean by to root down and pull down? Listen, a lot of times when God puts you in a position and he elevates you, there has to be some hindrances that have to be removed. How many of you have ever had a job where someone was just totally just hindering you, hindering, hindering you? The only way to get rid of those hindrances, I'll tell you, sometimes you have to pray, pray I said, uh, pray on people. I, I don't mean pray like, you know, be kind of, what do they call it, spooky person. I'm talking about pray over people. Sometimes you just have to sit there and say, Lord, you know, this person right here is causing me so many problems. I need you to step into this. I need you to help me out with this situation. And listen, God will move on your behalf. God will move on your behalf. I had a person come to me after the first service today, and I was mentioning this this morning. And this person said, there was a person that used to give me a very hard time at work. And while I was on vacation, and I came back, I come to find out that person put the resignation. He said, and I've been praying about it, that God would do something with this person because it was unbearable at that point. So we look at that and realize that God is a God. He's just. He's a just God. He will do whatever it takes for his children. How many of you are going to wish the best for your kids? You want the best for your children. Why? Because they're your children, right? We're, the, we're no different. We're God's children. You know, we've heard pastors say we're not called adults of God. We're called children of God. And so God wants to take care of his children. We're his children. Whatever our needs are, he cares about what we have need of. You know, there's many times that I've sat there and I've had little bitty things that I just said, Lord, I just really need help in this. And I might just whisper it under my breath. It's not one of those, oh, King James prayers. You know, oh, Lordeth, you heareth me. Howeth, you doeth, you knoweth. None of those. It's not a King James prayer. It's just one of those, Lord, just help me, Lord. One of those prayers. And, and I've seen God do some miraculous things where God will change situations right before my eyes. And in such a quick way, and it builds my faith. I said, Lord, if you... If you can do that, that was so simple, you can do this over here. Let me tell you how, how simple things are sometimes. Um, I went for lunch the other day, and of course I was on my motorcycle, and uh, it was extremely hot. It was that same Monday, and uh, it was so hot. I, I was physically, I was not feeling the best, and I looked at the lights, and they were <laughs> like red and 
red, and everything was red. One green over there, another red, another green. And I looked, and I said, oh, God, it's, it's so hot out here. I said, Lord, I, it would be great if I could just catch every light green. Wouldn't you know every light turned green? And it wasn't by happenstance, guys, because down in University Drive, they just don't all turn green together. How many bound down University Drive? You know they don't turn green. Every light was green the whole way. Then when I turned off the main light and there was no more lights, I went, thank you, Jesus. I was going like this on my bike and people are going. <laughs> they thought I was waving at them. I'm like, no, I'm just having a Jesus moment by myself over here. <laughs> That's a friendly biker, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I was just having a time with God by myself, just grateful that all the lights turned green. And then after that, it's just like a faith builder. And I went, I mean, I should have asked for something else there. That was, I should have asked while I was there, you know. So that was great. It's like when you go somewhere and you pay for someone's lunch, they say, man, if I knew you were paying, I would have got the extra, I would have gotten the carrot pie, you know, carrot cake or something. So I, I, that's kind of a faith builder. I sat there and I said, Lord, you know, you're so faithful to, I've seen you do little things, great things. Right, right now, this was just one of those, boy, God, have you just turned the lights green? And yet, it wasn't coincidence. It wasn't luck. It was God. And God works that way. He can work situations in your life. He can work situations in you physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Things can happen. I can tell you story after story about how things have happened to us as our family. Just like Pastor says, I could tell you my story because it's mine and I know it. And, but I could just tell you on and on how God has so many times just been a blessing. Maybe this is an encouragement to somebody. I'm just going to share this one story. We're in a situation. We're going to this church and... Uh, Erm and I, at that time, our girls were real little, and uh, we had four girls. We had a very small place. We lived in a very small place, and uh, we invited this minister that we knew from the time we were kids. We knew this minister. Of course, we're older now. We have kids, and they're old like I am now. So we decided, you know, we're going to invite them to church. Uh, we're going to invite them to our house. It was Sunday night, and we're going to invite them to our house for dinner and feed his wife and him, just kind of thank you for coming over. So... Of course, I went up and I tell him, I said, I'd like for you and your family to come over after church and come to our house for dinner. He says, okay. So my sisters, I had two sisters there. We had two sisters there, and my mom was there. And um, my dad, and of course, the husbands and my brother. And So by the time it was all said and done, there was about eight of us there. And Irma had made enough food for about, say, about 20, 25 people. And so all of a sudden, we see people walking in, and they kept walking in. We didn't realize that all his kids were there. They had 12 kids. <laughs> and all these kids are married. They're like in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And they have kids, every one of them. Before you know it, there's like 80-something people in our house. Our living room won't fit 80-something people. It was a real small place. And I look at the food, and I look at the people, and I'm like, oh, church's chicken is closed right now. You, know, you, can't go get, you can't go buy fried chicken. Everything's closed. So it had to be one of those where you break the bread, you know, and, and break the fish and say a blessing. So we said, Lord, I called my mom and my sisters, and I said, we need to pray for this because there's not enough food to feed everybody. And we prayed over it. Wouldn't you know, everybody ate, there was food left over, and there was plenty of tortillas. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's like my week is made, man. I got breakfast. I felt so good, I gave it a new name. I said, it's Bethes. Amen. That's the, like the best breakfast. Amen. 
But you know, God does things like this. This was a miracle that literally happened in our home. We had enough for 20, yet we fed over 80-something people that night. It's amazing when you trust God, what God will do for you. Let's just give the Lord a clap and bless Amen. You know, in saying this, I'm, I'm really impressed at what God has done in this house. Uh, Pastor Matt was talking a, bit, a little bit about how the giving has been. This church is a giving church. I'll tell you what, the amount of things that this church does is just tremendous. I'm just so ex- excited to see that we're able not just do things in the house, but we're able to do things outside of this house, be able to be an outreach outside of this place. I think that's so important. So listen to this. God will awaken your purpose. Even though Joshua thought he was too young and he said, Lord, I'm too young. Listen, don't excuse yourself if you think you're too young. Don't excuse yourself if you think you're too old. God will use you. Was it Joshua and Caleb when they are 80s, when they were ready to take over the land? They were ready to possess the land at 80 years old. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's all a mindset. If you decide you can do it, you can do it because with God, with Christ, all things are possible. Amen? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I might not have what it takes, but I guarantee you that if I trust him, he'll strengthen me, he'll equip me, he'll put me in the right place, and if I can't do certain things, he'll put someone, someone alongside me that can help me along with it. And that's the kind of God we serve, and it's a great God. So God will awaken your purpose. First thing is you want to worship God. You want to build that place of worship. The second thing is you want to allow God to awaken what is in you already, your giftings, your callings, your talents, your ability, the things that God has already placed in you to be successful, whether it's a business, whether it's where you work, whether it's something you do at home, God has already put those things in you. So he said, you've got to root and pull down. Remove the hindrances. The next thing he said you need to destroy and throw down. Of course, that funny side of me said, nowadays, if you say, let's throw down, that's something else. <laughs> yeah, the word throw down in our vernacular today is different than King James Version, throw down. So it's, it's a different. This throw, this, when he talked about destroying and throw down, he was talking about allowing the anointing that will break the oppressive things that have come to ensnare you and kept you from your destiny. What are the things that you need to throw down and destroy? What are the things that you say, you know what, I'm getting rid of these things. I'm not going to let these things affect me anymore. I'm going to walk away from this. Sometimes it might be relationships, and I'm not talking about husband and wife. I'm talking about people who hinder your life, people who hinder your walk of life. That You sit there and say, you know what, I can't hang around this group anymore because they're affecting my life on this side. There are certain changes that we have to consciously make that that might not be a bad place, but it's not the best place to be. It might not send you to hell or anything like this for going there, but it's really not a convenient place to be. So we choose. Again, it's about choice. We choose at this point that we're going to serve God. We're going to do the things that God wants from us. We're going to find that place of worship, that place of devotion to him. And in the, in the process, our hearts, our minds, our spirit man is going to become awakened. The other thing he said to build and plant. When we learn that we can remove the hindrances, when we can get away from these oppressive things that try to ensnare, ensnare us that are keeping from our destiny, then we can walk into our destiny. Because it is there that he says to build and to plant, to edify and produce. It is there when we walk into our destiny, it is there that we now start to grow. We, need, we start to uh, be elevated in those areas of our lives. You know, I think of, of what God has done in my life eight years ago. 
nine years ago. Uh, I changed careers nine years ago. I had been talking to Irma, Miss Irma, and I had been telling her, babe, I really, I need to take this thing into my own hands. I'm, I'm tired of traveling all over the United States. I was, the only way that I made money was I had to travel. I was a travel, my business is 100% travel all the time or else I wasn't making any money. It was great, made a lot of money, but I was also losing a lot of time with my family, my kids, my grandchildren, my wife. And I said, Lord, I need something to change in my life. So I decided to go back to school and pursue another degree, and I did that. And God gave me favor. I came back, and I thought we were going to, we thought we were going to move to the East Coast. We're ready to pack our bags and move to the East Coast. I get a call and end up working 15 miles from where I lived. God didn't want to move me out because he has a purpose for us here in the Brazos Valley. Had I moved, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, helping Pastor Brian. You see how God works? God has a purpose for you. And listen, don't fight what God is doing. Don't try to make something else happen. Let God be the one that works this thing out for you. Because when we decide to stay put and not move, when we decide to stay where God wants us to be, we will then see the fruit of the land. We start seeing coming in. So you say, how is it that we get to this place of where God will bless us? In 3 John, this is John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 3 John, verse 2 to 4. It's a very simple verse, very simple verses. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. In all things, and be in health. He didn't say in some things. He said prosper in all things. There again, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, whatever area in your life is suffering. He says, I pray that you will prosper in all things. And then he says, and be in health. Be in health. What does that mean? Don't be sick. You can have some health issues. You can have some financial health issues. (laughs) Health can be more than just our body. It could be the state of mind. It could be our finances. It could be a relationship or relationships, right? It can be more. There needs to be health in everything we do. We should be prospering in the health of everything in our life that encompasses life in general. It should be healthy. So what I pray, I say, Lord, remove the things that are healthy for me. Get them out of my life, Lord. Uproot them out of my life. Remember he told he, he told uh, uh, Joshua, or uh, yeah, he says, remove these things out of your life. He says, uproot. Sometimes we have to have those things removed. We can't fight and scream, Lord, Lord, Lord not, not that one, Lord, don't take that one away. We need to learn to let go and let God just take the things that are not convenient for us, that are not good for us, that will not help us grow, that will keep us stifled, keep us from growing. We need to allow God to take those things out. Sometimes if God will take certain things out of your life, it's okay. It's okay. We might miss it for a little bit, but we'll be okay. We'll be better off. And then a year from now, you'll go, I'm so glad we made that change. So glad we made it. How many of you can wave at me and say, no, what I'm talk- I know what you're talking about. You've made those changes. And I'm telling you, at first, we, we, we question, is this the right decision? Listen, trust God. Follow what he says. If he doesn't say nothing, don't do nothing. Stay with Wait. I remember one time I needed to make a decision and I was getting a little worked up and everything else. And, and I was really getting, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, um, anxious about it. And, and Irma says, what's the last thing God spoke to you about this? I said, why do you have to say that? 
She's like my uh, conscious, you know? Yeah. How many of you guys have a conscious? I mean, a wife. <laughs> so this guy says, so you staying out of trouble? I says, yeah, yeah. Then I told him, I'm married, so I'm stay out of trouble. Then I went, wait a minute, I'm married, I'm always in trouble. <laughs> y'all laugh because y'all are in the same boat, guys. So anyway, you, you look at this and you realize that God wants to prosper us. God wants to move us. He says, he says and be in good health. In good health. And again, we've said that health can be more than just physical. can be the state of the mind. can be so many things. So we trust God. He says, be in good health. And then he says, for I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Listen, people will speak of you. Don't speak for yourself. You don't have to tell people who you are. People will know who you are. People will know you. People that know you from the past and they see who you are today, they'll see the change. You know, of course, I know a lot of biker guys and stuff like this. And they, one of the guys says he... I'll just use some vernacular from the biker world. They sit there and says, man, you're, you're, you're not a poser. You understand what not a poser means? That's you're not making this up. You are who you say you are. He says, you're not a poser. And that means a lot. You know, when someone come and tell you this is who you are. You know, so it's, 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 it's important for us to understand that let, let others, let others speak for you. And it says, just as you walk in the truth, all we have to require to do is continue to walk in the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus said, I am the truth, the life, and the way. No one comes to the Father but through me. So if we will do the things that Jesus told us to do, if we will do the things that the Word of God is telling us to do, then we walk in truth. And when we're not walking in truth, we will know it because the Holy Spirit is going to convict us when we're not doing the things that we're supposed to do. The Bible says that, that, that to him that knows to do what is right and does not do it, it's, see it? It's sin. So we know if we're not doing the right thing, the, the Holy Spirit's going to go, hey, Johnny, come on now. Get back in line. You're doing the wrong thing. And, and I've been told that a few times. Come on now. Get back in line. Flesh gets in the way. We want to act out. And then God brings conviction in our hearts. So then the truth he says, as just as you walk in the truth. And then I like the next verse. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So when we worship God, we find a place to worship. We made a habitual place to come to the place of worship. It awakens our purpose. And when we awaken our purpose, then he says that we prosper. We now become blessed. We're blessed people. But when you're a blessed person, you're not blessed just to hoard what God has given you. If you got all that seed and you say, man, look at all this thing that I got. But if you never sow anything back, you're never going to get nothing again. I remember, I think as Jerry Savelle said, he said, if the seed that's in your hand is not enough to feed you for the rest of your life, then it must be for sowing. So I've learned that when God has blessed us, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. Amen. You might be at Kroger. You might be at Target, Walmart, uh, Academy. I like Academy. <laughs> Brother John, make sure you're behind me in Academy and God speaks to you. <laughs> That'd be good. And God tells you, pay their bill. 
Or maybe in McDonald's. How many of you heard of those guys that say, well, they said pay it forward? Where someone pays for someone else's coffee, you drive up and say, oh, your coffee's paid for. And they start off and everybody starts paying. And they get into this thing and they make some feel good. I'm going to tell you, nothing makes you feel good than when you listen to God and you obey. Boy, you obey that spirit of God and you're down and you're at Kroger and all of a sudden you see this mom and this kid and God says, pay for their, pay for their food at a restaurant. Or, or you reach out and you give someone. Why? Because God puts that in your heart. Why? To be a blessing. And so many times God wants to see, are we even going to be obedient with the little things? If we're obedient with the little things, then God says, you know what? I can trust you with more. How many want more from God? You want, to, you want God to give you more, then be obedient with the little things. It's the little things that will get us there. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he talks about there's a time for everything. We're not going to go through that today. But I like third, uh, Ecclesiastes uh, 3.14 says, I know that whatever God does, now listen to this, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God does it that men should fear before him or reverence him. So listen, when God does something, there's nobody that can come and take away what God has put in you. Nehemiah was in the process of building the, t- building the gates of the city again. And he got his naysayers coming against him. Listen, you're going to have naysayers. You're going to have people that don't agree with you. They're not going to like what you do because you're succeeding. You know what? Outlive your critics. Outlive them. Let, them. let them say what they want to say, but don't retaliate. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. God will take care of that. In fact, God said, he said, you see these Egyptians you see today in Exodus? He said, you'll see them no longer. He says, just be still and know that I'm God. Don't try to vindicate yourself. God will vindicate you. All we have to do is just do nothing sometimes, but just worship him. And when we do, he awakens our purpose. He causes us to be blessed, not only for that purpose, but to bless others. So then when we do that, there's no one here that can take your joy from you. People will only take from you what you relinquish to them. Nehemiah, in spite of all the opposition that he had, in Nehemiah 18, he said, listen, he was speaking to himself because there was people coming against him from all all directions. And he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And there's sometimes that you just have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You just have to speak to yourself. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If no one else is going to encourage me, the, the word of God, God encourages me because he says that the joy, his joy, is my strength. And that's all I need right now. I just need your joy, Lord. And all of a sudden, things start to change. So we, we being a blessed people, it says, how do we bless? Well, there's a lot of ways to bless people. But because we're in this house, let me just share a few. Right here in front of us is Jake Remmer. Right, just wave your hand. How many people came here for the first time today? Raise your hand. We have quite a few. Welcome, welcome here. Did someone greet you at the parking lot? Someone greet you at the door? People showed you around. That's the team, first touch team. If you're in the first touch team, raise your hand, guys. Everybody in the first touch team. Now look around. These people are first touch team. That means they're here to make sure that you're comfortable when you walk in. This is how we bless people. We serve on this team. Let's give the first touch team a hand. 
See, the, 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 there's ample opportunity for you to bless those within your realm of influence. Everyone here has a realm of influence. I might not ever be able to meet some of the people you meet. I might not be able to communicate with some of the people you communicate. But each one here, we each have a realm of influence. So as we learn to bless within that realm that God puts around us, then we become a blessing to others. Another way to, to bless is, uh, become a blessing is to sow into this ministry. You heard how this year so far we're, what, beginning of August? And we've given, this church has given well over $20,000 to uh, uh, Casa Angelina, which is an orphanage in Guatemala. Is that correct, Guatemala? And so um, it's amazing to see the, 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 what we do there with, through the finances that are given by this church. We also share in this house by uh, supporting the vision and the mission. What is, what, is our, what is our vision here at this church? If you know it, say it with me. We exist to what? Love people. And point them to Christ. So we have to understand that as we love people and point them to Christ, we do this out of our hearts. And all we have to do, and all you have to do, is just be who you are. Just as you are. I can't be you, you can't be me, we can be who we are. So we'll take three things. If you take three things from this uh, teaching this morning, first of place, build an altar of worship. Build an altar of worship. How's that happen? That's between you and God. You designate what time, when, but be consistent every day to go before the Lord. Be consistent. One thing I know, I, I spend time, a quiet time every day myself, but I guarantee you I don't straddle that motorcycle unless I pray because there's a lot of crazy people out there. It's the crazies. <laughs> But I have to keep up. I, you know, Irma doesn't leave the house with us two praying. She doesn't leave work without calling, say, sending me a message, hey, I'm getting ready to leave, so we pray. Uh, we've just made it a habit. It's habitual. If you do something for 21 days straight, it'll become a habit. I challenge you to do that for the next 21 days. Decide that you're going to build a place of worship before God, a place where you're going to find God, a moment. And I'm not saying it has to be 30, 40, 50 minutes an hour, just a few minutes. Whatever's convenient for you, whatever you feel is right for you, and watch it grow. Second thing, awaken your purpose. How do you do that? Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of where you're at. You're not too old. You're not too young. Join one of the first touch teams here at the church or, or serve somebody, a, a widow or, or someone in your neighborhood or something. Find something that would be pleasing before the Lord says, you know what? If it, it's got to fall in your heart. It's not just a good deed. It's something that you say, Lord, what is it that I can do to be a blessing to someone else? Because you have given me so much out of, the, out of, out of my heart that is so uh, full of joy of what you've done, what can I do for someone else? Put someone in my life, put someone in my path, and be obedient to that. The third thing, you'll stand with us. Be a blessing to others. Be like Jesus was. The Bible says that Jesus came to serve and not to be served. So it's very important for us to understand that if we're going to get ahead in life, we're going to move forward past where we're at right now. We might be content in the state of life that we're in, but spiritually we should never come to a place of contentment. We should always be seeking what's next in our life. What else do you have for me, Lord? I'll, be, I'll tell you my age. I'm going to be 59 years old this year. 
And I'm looking forward to retirement to where I can do a lot more things. Where I'm not held to this job that I'm at all the time, but I'm able to get out and do ministry work, do whatever it takes. You know, we go out to the biker world. That's a different world altogether. But you know what? How many of you know bikers need Jesus? They need Jesus. Cowboys need Jesus. Yeah. Your family needs Jesus. <laughs> this is my family needs Jesus. Praise the Lord. How many of you excited to be, to be here today? Yes. All right. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead and give a glory clap offering. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity, Father, to understand that if we make a place for you, you're always there ready to receive us. Lord, you're just ready to just pour out into our lives, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that as we come, Lord God, and we purpose, Lord God, you awaken, Lord God. You awaken us, Lord God, into your place. You awaken our dreams, Lord God. You awaken our vision. You awaken us, Father. Our spirit man awakens, Father. And you put us into a place that we can be a blessing to each other, Lord God, and to others outside of this house and even to those within this house. If you're in this place, every head bow, every eye closed, and you're in this place and you say, you know what, I, there was a time in my life where I used to have this relationship with God. I used to have a place of worship with God and I used to spend time with God. But I don't anymore. I somehow slipped away. I've kind of let things go. And I really do need to build this place. I know in my heart that I really need to do this, that this is something for me. No one's looking. All heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You just raise your hand real quickly. We're going to pray. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. See that hand. See that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Anyone else? Any others? I see that hand. Let's just pray a prayer. Church, why don't you join us as we pray this prayer? Say, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. I recognize where I'm at at this very moment. And I ask you to come into my heart. I ask to renew my relationship with you. I want, I want to walk in partnership with you. Forgive me for my sins my mistakes, my faults and failures. I am now clean. I'm a Christian and I'm walking with you. I thank you for what you've done in my life for changing me and cleansing me in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. If you've been coming to this church for any amount of time, whether it's a few days, a few weeks, uh, several months, or maybe throughout this year, and you've said, hey, you know what, I want to become part of this church. This is this church, this is where I need to be. This is the place where I belong. If that's you, you've never made a commitment to just be part of this church as a member of this church, will you raise your hand? Anyone here today? Anyone? Any hands? I don't see any hands. I want to thank you guys for being here today. We're excited that you came out. We're so grateful. We encourage you to, uh, if you are here for the first time, to go by the light wall. They will greet you over there and they'll take your information. They'll give $5 on, be on behalf of your name to Casa Angelina, uh, the orphanage that we support. And um, help me out again. There you go. Guatemala. Got it. I always forget those countries. I know one place, the United States. <laughs> but it's good. We, Irma and I are talking about trying to make it one of these years over there in 
go visit this place. It seems like a great place. We'd love to have you over there. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for everyone that came to this house today. We thank you, Father. We pray that you've opened their hearts, Lord God, their minds, their understanding. We pray that they will take with them, Father, what they need this week. We pray your blessing to rest upon them, Lord God. That, Lord, you would just guard them throughout the week, Lord God. Just give them success this week. They call on the name of Jesus. They call on you. That time of moment, moment of need, that you will answer them, Father. We pray your blessing upon them and their family, Father. And, Lord, we thank you, Father, for what you've done in them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand as you walk out the door. Newcomers can meet you at the light wall. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.